It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. Hour number two of the JT The Brick Show here on a Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. The drills are happening right now at Lucas Oil Stadium out there in Indianapolis. The NFL Scouting Combine 2023 defensive linemen and linebackers are showing their skills on the field, of course, there's interviews happening, there's measurements happening, there's a little bit of everything happening out there in Indianapolis. From 2 to 5 today, you'll be able to listen to Q Myers and Vinny Vonsignor live from the NFL um, Scouting Combine. They've been there all week long doing a fantastic job. So stay tuned here with Raider Nation Radio, the best coverage for everything silver and black all day long. And now we have on the line somebody that's not getting a lot of sleep because he's dedicated to his job. He's dedicated to watching a lot of film, not only in the NFL level during the season, but also college football because he's been evaluating talent for his work, and he's always in it. And this my man, Beast, Ryan Sakamoto. How are you? Good afternoon. It's great to have you here on Raider Nation Radio once again, Beast. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor always being on. And, uh, yeah, no sleep, team no sleep, but, you know, hustle and grind all day. No one's going to complain, right? It's all about uh, grinding it out and uh, making sure that you're putting out the best work that you can. So uh, very appreciative of everything um, that I've been doing since I've been covering the Las Vegas Raiders. So thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course, Beast. You're either evaluating talent or putting in the work yourself in the gym, right? Yeah, it's funny because, like, Anytime I, I talk to somebody, you're here clanging in the background, like, oh, you're at the gym? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but now it's good, man, because, like, at the end of the day, like, I feel like, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron mentality, as cliche as it sounds, I mean, I, that's the work ethic that I have, and uh, I talk to people about it all the time, they tell me to slow down, but I only know one way, and, and that's all gas, no brakes, so... Um, I'm very, like I said, you know, the moment you lose that, that hunger for success is the moment you lose that drive to be the best. And I think that in the end, like what makes me who I am and what I do and how I do things is um, putting in that work ethic and be the best version of myself. So that's the mentality these kids right now at the scouting combine they need to have. And I'm watching right now Brian Brees from Clemson going through the drills. Jared Clark is about to do so. <laughs> who is a player that you have right now in your mind that it, that can gain the most out of this scouting combine beast? You know, when, you, when I evaluate the game film, one thing that we do is, you know, whether you're a, a scout or a talent evaluator or someone who does just mocking drafts like I do, um, you want to you want to kind of gauge numbers, right? So you're you're going into it watching the film, saying, you know, is this a four three guy or four four guy, and then you kind of have a set number, right? So like Christian Gonzalez, right? I put this tweet out about Christian Gonzalez. I think he's going to be the biggest winner 
at the combine simply because he has that athletic ability to run a 4.35, run a 4.37. He has a height weight speed for the position. He's going to have a under seven uh, flat three cone drill, which is really good. Um, so it might be in the 6.5, 6.6 range. Um, he's going to have a at least a 38 and a half vertical jump from what I see on film. Um, this is a guy who really is going to wow scouts and scouts are going to take a look at this and be like, okay, we knew that this guy was nasty, but because he ran in the 4-3, is that going to elevate his stock from, let's say, a top 15, top 20 pick into the top 10? Because that's a conversation they're going to have with every NFL team because boundary cornerback is one of those premium positions, and you can't find a lot of 4-3 guys. You can't coach speed, right? The great Al Davis says speed kills. And so that lingo plays into today's NFL because you can – teach a guy to do certain things, be fundamentally sound the line of scrimmage, know how to pre-snap read, create a post-snap, know how to leverage your splits and so forth, and be fundamentally sound the line of scrimmage. The one thing that you need to look for when evaluating talent when it comes to the NFL Combine is, do, is what you see on film confirming what you see at the NFL Combine with those measurables? A guy that Max Crosby mentioned yesterday in an interview I did with him was edge rusher Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan. Of course, his school, a guy that you spoke with while out here in Las Vegas for the East-West Shrine Bowl. Is he somebody we got to keep our eye on? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, when I covered the East-West Shrine Bowl here in lovely Las Vegas, there was only a handful of guys that I wanted to interview. Uh, We had three days to interview some of the prospects, I had a list of guys that I wanted based on watching practice, based on evaluating game film. I went into it knowing which guys I wanted. Uh, Jose Ramirez got to go, know him very well, became friends with him now. Um, got to talk to, actually, his coaches um, and, and got to get to know them as well. Um, but, no, Jose Ramirez is a, definitely a guy. I know for a fact there's at least half the teams. In that. Let's put it this way. When I was getting that scheduled interview with Jose Ramirez, okay, he was in line to talk to multiple NFL teams. I'm not just saying like one, two, three. I'm talking about a line of NFL teams. One team was just in the Super Bowl. All right. So, um, knowing that and seeing what I saw in practice and seeing how he did in the game and knowing what the scheme fit of what the Raiders actually like to do, the questions that I asked him, I put up on my YouTube channel um, and, and put it up on Twitter as well. Is you want to? I wanted to get to know him. The person, right? We can talk about what you see on film, what really does good, what he doesn't do so well, and, and yada yada, strengths and weaknesses and so forth. But you really want to delve into the player and get to know the player because at the end of the day, like I said, if you're looking at it from a guy, or from an evaluation standpoint, and you're looking at drafting the guy or potentially drafting the guy, you want to know what makes him tick. Does he have a high football IQ? Is he disciplined? Is he fundamentally sound? Does he have an unquestioned work ethic? Does he have a passion for the game, or does he just do it for a job? Does he hate to lose more than they'd love to win? Is he accountable? Is he driven? And above all else, like, how competitive is this guy? You know, the iron sharp is iron mentality. So all these things embody the Raider way, right? And so when you look at that and you put two and two together, you really get a byproduct of a player who really gets it and would fit really well in this culture identity here in Las Vegas. And a position that's wide open right now for the Raiders is quarterback. Do you see somebody (laughs) in this draft class that you consider is worth taking a swing at and potentially being a home run or a swing and a miss? Because you look at last year, only one quarterback was drafted in the between the first two rounds, and it was Kenny Pickett. And then you had to wait until the third round for Desmond Ritter. In 2021, of course, you had Trevor Lawrence lead the pack. But then you had Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, who haven't done much in the league. 2020, Burrow, Tua, 
Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, had him in the group too as a second rounder. But then the rest of the pack, not much going on with them. Is there somebody that you have seen in this draft that obviously at number seven it might be tough for the Raiders to get, but that could the Raiders could potentially make a move for? You know, you never want to leave no stone unturned from a GM perspective, but at the end of the day, what's the risk-reward of trading up from 7-1? to one? When you look at the analytics, and I've been covering the NFL draft since 1998, you look at teams that are likely to move up. When Ian Rapsi reported that the Bears were leaning toward moving number one, you know, I was the first to report that, right? And, and you look at it from GM Ryan Pohl's perspective and saying, okay, if Ryan Pohl doesn't need a quarterback because he has just some fields, who's next in line and who's the likely scenario candidate that would actually trade up and trade up to that number one spot. And I already put it out there on Twitter um, before, you know, the whole lingo, came, or the whole thing came out on Ian Rapp's sheet saying that the Bears were going to trade number one. I said GM Chris Ballas and the Colts, and obviously at number two, you have GM Nick Casario, who comes from the New England Patriots. He is actually in line for a quarterback. Now, the question remains to be seen how this all plays into the Las Vegas Raiders at seven. If the Houston Texans GM Nick Casario wants the quarterback of his choice. He's going to have to secure that number one spot, moving from two to one. And if you go back to 2017, you see what the 49ers did to move up one spot with, this, again, the Chicago Bears, or move back one spot to the Chicago Bears from two to three. You want to look at that dynamic and say, okay, look, if we're going to go ahead and make a move like this, what's the draft capital is going to take to do it? And what's the risk reward of the instant gratification of those long-term gains in making such a move, because you have to project. Like, no one knows for sure. Everything's in hindsight. Oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. If I'm GM Dave Yeager, I'm not even going to make a play. Now, Bryce Young is probably the best quarterback, I mean, by far. It's not a good question. He is the best quarterback in this draft class. However, I'm not going to move up from seven to, to one to secure Bryce Young because I have so many different needs. And keep in mind, if Jared Stidham, from an evaluation standpoint, Jared Stidham, people don't talk about him. He's going to get resigned, right? I'm putting it out there. He's going to get re-signed. He's going to return to, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I mean, keep the beach receipt. And if he returns, you have to look at it from an evaluation standpoint, right? This is just my gut feeling. If Jared Stidham does come back, which I think fully he does come back and returns, if Jared Stidham comes back, if he was to come out of this draft class, what's the horizontal board when you look at it, when you put him in the draft board? Is he better than Mo Levis? Is he better than Effie Richardson? Yes, those other two guys may have better arm talent. Yes, they may have more uh, um, mobility issues, uh, not mobility issues, but mobility as far as, you know, Anthony Richardson scrambling outside the pocket. But at the end of the day, Jarrett Stidham, he did really well, in my opinion. I think he did really well in the, in the opportunity he had. I think you should give him uh, the opportunity to at least obviously be the backup and then obviously become a starter. I think he's earned that right. Now, if it was me, like I said, I would rather re-sign Jarrett Stidham and then get maybe a stopgap quarterback, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I already put it out there. Now, is Jimmy Garoppolo better than Derek Hart? I'm not going to say yes or no. I kind of see the same similarities and flaws in their game in terms of on the same wavelength, obviously different flaws. But at the end of the day, I think if you bring in that Jimmy Garoppolo, and again, who was on that staff, right? Who was on that scouting department? GM did either, right? So you look at what the Patriot way is doing and coming its way to right away, and you can talk about it all you want, but you pick the best of both worlds, you, you, you mold your own cultural identity based on what you have learned in the past, right, to predict the future. Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy who, that you can win with, right? I mean, the record speaks for itself, and people say, oh, it's backed up by a strong defense, backed up by a strong rushing attack. Well, you have a good rushing attack. Josh Jacobs is going to return. In fact, I'm 90% confident that Josh Jacobs is going to return. He's going to sign a two- to four-year deal. He's not going to get tagged. 
So when you have Josh Jacobs there, when you have guys like Devontae Adams there, when you have tight end Darren Waller there taking down the team, you have Hunter Renfro, you have weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo to where he doesn't have to do all the work by himself. Right now, is there a better option than Jimmy Garoppolo? Obviously, right? You can draft a quarterback later in the second and third round and develop him. Um, like let's say Hendon Hooker, right? Hendon Hooker is a guy that, that I even was come off a, you know, a little bit, um, he's a little bit older, but I, I like Hendon Hooker. You can get him in round two or round three. So there's a lot of different parameters that go into this. But at the end of the day, I think the best bet for GM Dave Ziegler is to trade back to seven. I would trade down and get a cluster of players in the 12 to 15 range. So trade in that 12 to 15 range. Get a guy like an offensive lineman. You can go Paris Johnson Jr. You can go Peter Skaronsky, who's the offensive guard. You can go after Osiris Torrance, who GM Dave Ziegler wants to go watch. You can go see Broderick Jones as well um, if you wanted to adjust the offensive line. If not, you're still going to get a cluster of players on the defense side. You talk about Christian Gonzalez. He might fall in that 12 to 15 range. You look at guys like Nolan Smith. I, I graded him. I think he's a really good player, even though he's been injured. Durability has been a concern, but I really like Nolan Smith from when I saw him film. And, of course, defensive back Brian Branch would be perfect in Coach Brown's system. So you look at all those players that I just mentioned, that's eight players in that 12 to 15 range that would be available based on my current mock draft. Right now, the Raiders are projected to have 11 draft picks, including the compensatory picks. At the moment, nine, (laughs) with the compensatory picks, 11. Out of those 11, how would you split it between offense and defense, knowing the holes that the Raiders have on this current roster? That's a great question. I think the first and foremost thing when, when, when anyone asks me this question is we have to see how free agency plays out. And so once you fill out the free agency platform, then you can go after the different parameters of how the mock draft's going to play out, right? And again, if I'm being quite honest with you, I don't think it's as top-heavy as people make it out to be. Um, the depth is there in the mid to later rounds, but not so much top-heavy. Um, as in years past, based on my grading system. So when you look at defensive players, you're going to look at what's called a vertical board. People talk about their big board, right? But then you also have a horizontal board. A horizontal board is basically tier-based positional needs and based on how you evaluate those players, based on where you see those guys falling in the respective grades that they're being drafted and projected to. So when you do that and you cross-check that with your vertical board and then you look at the free agents class and you say, okay, out of the offensive tackles, Midway through the year, I said Jack Conklin should have been the guy, but he got re-signed by Cleveland. So I was like, okay, well, he's out of the question. So you look at the offensive tackles, and then you look at their age, and then you want to create a perfect storm to the, the personnel that you already have in place to the guys that you're going to be bringing in and see how that dynamic fits all together as one. There's a lot of different parameters that go into making such a decision. So in order to say a split of like what, six, five, or seven or whatever the case may be, offense to defense, it really all depends on how free agency plays out. You know, when people put out these mock drafts, they're really, to be honest with you, they're useless right now because free agency, everyone knows who does mock drafts. Free agency is the, the first baseline before making a mock draft. Everything else before that essentially is just basically clickbait, in my opinion. So, um, and I do it too. <laughs> so um, I, I make these mock drafts, but at the end of the day, I think free agency has to play out first in order for us to kind of gauge how the NFL draft is going to play out with the, when it comes to Las Vegas Raiders. Because I can tell you this much, GM Dave Ziegler is going to make at least two or three trades on draft day. My opinion. My opinion, uh, it's my gut feeling, I think he's going to move up and maneuver the draft work how he sees fit. And people keep in mind, this is 2023. What did he do last year? He, he leveraged the 2022 NFL draft for this year's draft. So he likes stockpiling picks for future years. I can see him doing that if the value is right. So don't be surprised that GM Dave Ziegler makes two to three draft day trades in order to stockpile more picks to kind of solidify the defense 
and offensive line. I'll ask you about two guys that are currently on the roster that didn't see the field a lot, but I remember watching you speak with them uh, very constantly, and you post content about them on social media. Could they end up being guys that can have an impact during their second seasons? And I'm talking about defensive tackles, Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler. You know, it's funny. I talked to a, a good friend of mine, obviously, Coach Neil Farrell, and obviously I um, got to know Matthew Butler as well. Both those guys, for some reason, they weren't seeing the field. Now, was it a matter of maybe um, – I, I don't know what the, what the case was, um, to be quite honest with you, I do know they weren't seeing the field. I do, from what I've from what I've been um, hearing, is um, they just weren't being seen enough in practice for them to be active on game days. And so, the, the good thing about this, though, is they see the talent, they see the potential in them. And so, the potential is something that I'm really eager to see because Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler are both both very, very smart. They're and they're really good. I mean they're coming from the SEC, right? Tennessee and obviously LG respectively. So you're getting guys who actually understand the game. They understand leverage. They understand all these different things. Now when I talked to my good friend Andre Carter, obviously, um, who coached Neil Farrell over at L S U and he said there's one thing that Neil Farrell has to work on is obviously his leverage, right? He plays with a high pad, high pad level sometimes. So that's something that needs to be uh, cleaned up. I think he was working on that this offseason and obviously during the season. Um, but at the end of the day, when it comes to those two players, I think it remains to be seen because Kyle Pecco did really well. I, I, I can't say Kyle Pecco did, you know, Kyle Pecco and Spot D did really, really well. And so I hope he returns next year. Um, because he is a guy that uh, not too many people are talking enough about. But when you grade the film, I mean, can you name a better run stuffer outside of Andrew Billings and Bilal Nichols outside of those two guys? The next guy in line would be Kyle Pecco, if you were asking. So um, in that rotation, I, I, like I said, I think they will, you know, I think the, the scouting department would, would have loved to see a little bit more um, or a little bit higher expectations. But at the end of the day, um, we're going to have to see because the, the most, progress for an NFL player comes from year one to year two, right? And that's something that I've been a firm believer in. And so now that they're entering year two, now is the time to really assess whether or not they can make it or break it in this week. The NFLPA, I'll ask you one final question before we go to a break. Ryan Sakamoto at Beast Rider on social media. Follow him, follow him. He does an amazing job covering the silver and black. The NFLPA released a report card about team facilities and the way that the team treats families mm. and uh, multiple things. And the Raiders, they were pretty much one of the best teams uh, drafted in every single category that was out there. What are you hearing from the people that you talk about? Because they had uh, very high grades pretty much all across the board. Yeah, man, it's funny because uh, I still keep in touch with, you know, a lot of the players and they saw the report and they were asking me, they were like, hey, is that true? And I was like, yeah, man, it's true. And they're like, really? And I was like, hey, there's no state income tax here. <laughs> I said, like, that's always a plus in Nevada, right? Living here in Las Vegas. So um, there's a lot. That actually was something that it doesn't surprise me, right? I mean, we both work and cover the Raiders, right? So when you look and you go into the facilities, you know it's state of the art. You know you're getting a first-class organization. You know you're getting, you know, the nutrition's on point, right? Every time we go to, to, the, to the locker rooms, right, it's, all, it's always, you know, immaculate and that you come out and you see them getting, the, you know, in the dining hall, all the, all the good foods. 
A lot of these NFL teams, they don't do that. A lot of them don't even have a nutritionist. Like, nutrition plays a huge role in not only strength training, but then also your daily life. Like, if you're not going to put bad gas in a Ferrari, right? So, like, these guys are professional athletes. You're going to want to give them the resources to actually play their best and do their best. So, nutrition plays a role. Supplements play a role. All that plays a role. Strength training plays a role. The coaching staff plays a role. And the facility itself plays a role. And, again, taking care of families. You know, in today's age, going back to the San Francisco Port under Eddie DeBartolo, I mean, he was very family-oriented. There's a reason why my good friend Randy Cross, who played for um, Eddie DeBartolo, speaks very, very highly of him, right? Um, because it brings that family-oriented vibe. And when you have that here with the Las Vegas Raiders, people are going to start talking. People are going to want to be like and comparing, hey, look, the team that I'm on, I don't know if I want to be here because look what the Las Vegas Raiders are doing. And what I'm hearing from these riders, I'm hearing good things. And I'm seeing it from the NFLPA put this thing out. I mean, don't take my word for it. Just go to the, go to the NFLPA and see what the report says. So um, being ranked number three, that speaks highly of the Las Vegas Raiders because at the end of the day, and again, it goes back not just with, with, with what I just said, but and the PR, the PR, you know, Will Kiss, Cam Russo, you know, Joe, all these guys, Jade, all of them do a really good job and get, allowing us to do our job. So everyone from the top down has been, it's been good vibes. Commitment to excellence is on, is on full, full tilt. And I can't, uh, everyone who says, who asks me, says, you know, hey, how is it comparing the Niners to the Raiders? Honestly, the Raiders are freaking legit, man. Like, <laughs> and it speaks for itself. Heck, we spend hours on hours on hours out there at the facility during practice, waiting for practice to end, and it's a top-notch facility, one of the best in the leagues. Ryan, uh, where can people find you on social media, and what do you got coming up? Yeah, so you guys can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Beast Rider. I'm also on Facebook, and the Facebook handle is Dark Side of Beast Rider, so D-O-B. Not date of birth, it's Dark Side of Beast Rider. So you guys can find me on those respective social media platforms. And what I got going on is just watching more film. Obviously, going to be covering the NFL Combine. Going to get my list in later today. And then obviously watch more film. And then watch more film. And then watch more film. And then hop on the live stream maybe in the next few days. So um, it's funny because whenever I hop on the live stream, I'm telling people, you know, you're not watching for the hour or two hours of work that I'm on the live stream. You're watching for the and the hours of game film that I'm doing outside behind the scenes. So um, when I come on a live stream, it, it, I want it to be very informative and also being very knowledgeable so that you learn something as well. So it's something that I love doing. It takes a lot of time, but well worth it. Absolutely. Follow Beast, a- Ryan Sakamoto, a.k.a. Beast. That's People know you that way. It's like, hey, yeah, we know your name, but everybody yeah, is like, it's like Madonna. You just go with that name, Beast. Thank you so much for jumping on today here on the JT The Brick Show, Beast. Thank you so much for having me, Harry, and I appreciate it, my man. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to go have some lunch after the show, and you know where I'm going to go stop by? Grimaldi's, because they have hands down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas. Only at Grimaldi's Pizzeria can you get famous New York-style cold-fired 
brick oven pizza that you crave. Grimaldi's has four locations in the Vegas Valley, Volca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley. For more, visit grimaldispizzeria.com. And we're going to go to a break. And after it, we're going to talk about that report card that the NFLPA published because the Raiders, they're doing a good job keeping their players happy with top-notch facilities, which Bill Belichick called the Taj Mahal of the NFL when you come up to franchise facilities. Let's go to a break, Raider Nation. We'll be back with more here on the JT LeBrick Show. the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Um, you know, this is a different, I mean, every team's different. Um, you know, I mean, we look at every player that we have an opportunity to add to our team and evaluate them. We go through an entire process and try to make decisions uh, based on the, a number of factors, you know. I mean, obviously, free agency, cost, um, fit, um, you know, those kind of things are really important. The draft. Look, there's only be so many players you can access at each pick. So, um, you know, you, you try to evaluate the guys that fit your culture, your team, that are going to add the qualities and traits that you covet, um, you know, at any position on your roster. And then you try to put together a team that's built in your vision. And so for us, it's, you know, try to create a tough, smart team that can play well under pressure, um, that's, that's more explosive, you know, in general terms than we were last year. The Raiders hard at work right now at the NFL Scouting Combine 2023 out in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Colts, right now hosting the on-field portion of the Combine for the defensive linemen and the linebackers. Of course, the Raiders, as you heard, head coach Josh McDaniels from a couple of days ago trying to find the perfect fit for their play for their team which players are the best for what they are looking for and just a heads up for next gen stats pittsburgh kalijah kansi ran an official four six seven second 40 yard dash the fast time recorded by a defensive tackle at the nfl combine since 2023 so the fastest defensive lineman in 20 years is pittsburgh kalijah can see and that's part of what's going on right now on the field will anderson is coming up so he's somebody that's getting a lot of buzz around him that people definitely want to see and we'll have the coverage of the nfl scouting combine live from indy coming up at two o'clock here on raider nation radio with q myers and vinnie Vonsignor, who have been on site all week long doing a fantastic job. A name that has been thrown around by a lot of folks is Aaron Rodgers. What's going to happen with number 12? With QB1 for the Green Bay Packers. He's still under contract, a big contract out there in Green Bay. And he finally came out of the darkness and he popped up on a podcast. Uh, and I'll give you the name of the podcast right now because apparently it's not a sports podcast. It's more like a life podcast, somebody that he likes very much. Let me get the name right here. The Aubrey Marcus Podcast. 
It was nearly a two-hour podcast with a lot of darkness and some football. And that some football, let's share it with you because here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about his decision. There's a finality to the decision, and I don't make it lightly. I don't want to drag anybody around. Look, I'm answering questions about it because I get asked about it. Um, I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it and you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva or whatever, then just tune it out. Mm. It's fine. But this is my life. It's important to me. And I'll make a decision soon enough and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. He's going to make a decision soon, apparently. We'll hear whatever he has to say. I, I'm betting my money that he's going to say something at the on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday. And he's going to announce it there, either him going back to the Packers or him uh, potentially becoming somebody that gets traded and the team welcomes him with open arms. Will it be the Raiders? I don't think so. Will, would I love to have him on the Raiders? Yes. But you look at the price tag, you look at him not being the same situation as it could have been with Tom Brady, where Tom Brady would have come in without having to sacrifice a, a draft pick or multiple draft picks. That I would have been more open to, even though I'm the furthest away from being a Tom Brady fan. But I was open to that option. Aaron Rodgers, you will have to sacrifice something or a lot. For him, And that's the part where I'm like, yeah, no, I think I'll pass, but we'll wait and see. In my opinion, you can't give up that number seven draft pick. You can't give up what you gave up for Devontae Adams because Adams, as a 30-year-old, you still got his future ahead of him. Aaron Rodgers, you don't even know if he's going to be in the league for one year if he's going to be in the league for two years, or if he's going to play into his 40s like Tom Brady did. So in my opinion, that would be a big, big swing by the Raiders front office if they end up going for Aaron Rodgers, and it would be just a short-term solution. And you would be like, okay, let's win this year or next year, and then after that you're going to be like, okay, Wish we would have had a first-rounder that year. Wish we could have drafted a player that could have helped us for four years instead of just for two years. And that's something that Aaron Rodgers is very familiar with because he spoke about the Packers swinging for a player like Brett Hundley in the 2014 draft, swinging for a player like Jordan Love later in the 2020 draft, and those two guys have seen the field very little. Heck, one of them plays out here in Las Vegas now with the XFL Vipers. He's going to be at Cashman Field on Saturday. Let's hear um, Aaron Rodgers speaking about his team, getting his replacement while he was still there. I've been doubted before. And look, honestly, I felt in the first year that Matt was here, Matt was in Green Bay in 19, I felt at times like a game manager. Like it was just, I didn't quite understand what we were doing at times on offense and my job was to take care of the football and I did, you know, I threw four interceptions and 26 touchdowns and we were 13 and three, but I felt like there was so much more. And, you know, then they drafted my replacement and then I went MVP twice and I threw 85 touchdowns and nine interceptions in two years. And obviously there were some changes that happened on the team and the coaching staff and I didn't have my best year plan. And there's probably people that think I'm done. I thought I was done, you know, before I became COVID MVP twice. So 
again, there'd be plenty of inspiration down that road. Is he a talented player? Heck yes. Is he a player that's going to cost you a lot? Hell yes. Is he a player that you like to have out there in the open talking all this kind of things and putting right there? He pretty much put Matt LaFleur. He was like, hey, when he got here, I was a game manager, and they weren't using me the right way. The next two years, they drafted my replacement, and look, I threw 80-something touchdown passes and nine interceptions and was a COVID MVP twice. I'm like, dude, don't put yourself out there that way. He's open. He has no filter. Sometimes that's cool, but at times in professional sports, you have to have a filter. You don't want to go out there and just throw everybody under the bus. But Aaron Rodgers, he's comfortable with who he is. Wish him the best of luck, and let's see what happens. Fortunately, the Raiders don't see him very often with him being a quarterback from the NFC North. I want to go back a little bit more on that NFLPA uh, report card that they they announced, that they published, that they put out there with president of the NFLPA, J.C. Treader, saying something. It's like, hey, yeah, it's like we wanted to say who is doing a great job. We want to highlight the positive for the clubs. And we're not just being like, hey, we're throwing other teams under the bus. It's like, no, we're identifying which clubs need improvement. And fortunately, the Raiders, they're one of the teams that are taking care of their players the most. They graded A through Fs, or heck, I didn't know F- minus existed until I read this report because there was a team that actually got an F- minus on weight room, the Arizona Cardinals. But the Raiders, they had an A-plus on travel, locker room, strength staff, weight room. A-minus on attrition. A on training room, B on treatment of families, and B-plus on training staff. I don't know you, Bobby, but me, when I came, came back from school with all A's and B's, my, my mom would be happy. So Raider players, they're happy with the facilities that they have at, at home, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the, the way that the team is treating them. So that's good, and that's something that players as free agents or players that are getting – that are trying to force their way out of another team, when they look at the Raiders and they see all the great things that the Raiders got going on in Las Vegas with the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, with the Legion Stadium being one of the best stadiums, not only in the NFL, but in all of professional sports, that's somewhere that you want to play. That's somewhere where you're like, okay, you know what? I might take a million or two less just to go out there. And then you look at Nevada as a state uh, state free tax with the state tax, you're like, hey, you know what? I'll get a couple of more bucks in my pocket. Let's go. The Raiders, that's something that they've improved in a huge way since moving out of Oakland in 2019. The facilities right now are on sale in Oakland, I think, or they're going on an auction. Uh, so it's like out here, it's going to take a while for the Raiders to be in a bad spot. And I'm pretty sure whenever the facilities are starting to get outdated in 30, 40 years, or even before that, they're going to renew them and have the best facilities in the NFL. What did Bill Belichick said? The Taj Mahal of NFL facilities is what the Raiders have out here. So they're taking steps in the right direction. And let's see if the Raiders can end up taking advantage of being precisely in some fantastic facilities that, Heck, when it's too hot outside in the summer, 
whenever it's not training camp and you just got 53 men on your roster plus the practice squad, you go inside. Obviously, training camp, when you got 90-plus players, you have to be outdoors. You got three grass fields. You got the indoor practice fields, two-and-a-half fields. You can do whatever you want in that facility. You got the pool. Here's a story. So I was asked by Jonathan Martinez with the Raiders, shout-out to him, to – help guide a tour of the facilities back in April of 2022 with winners that they brought in from Mexico City. Me personally, I had never been inside the facilities, but he gave me a cheat sheet. So they brought in eight folks from Mexico City. We walked from the main entrance and see the torch to go inside the locker room to see the huge uh, conference room that they have where they have team meetings where they introduce Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the area where they eat, the inside fields, the locker room, the weight room, the outside fields, the pool. I was guiding the tour, but at the same time, I had my jaw dropped because I was like, this is incredible. This is Something that I never thought I would see, and that was before I was able to go in there as media uh, for training camp, but I was, like, in shock. And I'm pretty sure players that come in from out of town, that they've been at places where, for example, let's see, the locker rooms. The Washington Commanders and the Arizona Cardinals got Fs. Jacksonville, Chargers, Chiefs, Falcons, Rams, Bengals, Broncos, Steelers, Browns, they all got Ds. Could you imagine going from those franchises out here to Las Vegas and either the locker room at the stadium or at the practice facility, you go in there and it's comfort all around. It's something very, very nice that you're like, hey, this is a place I want to work with. This is a place where I feel comfortable. There's a reason why Max Crosby is okay with going in there at 6 in the morning and leaving late at night. Because it's a nice place to go work in, and you feel comfortable. They feed you. They do a great job. So the Raiders, they got something right, that's for sure. Now you just got to step it up on the next level when it comes to performance on the field. And I'm confident this team is going to be able to get the things they need right in the right direction. Let's go to a commercial break, Raider Nation. We're going to come back a little bit to talk about some hoops, some basketball, because things are getting interesting in the NBA because playoffs are right around the corner. And somebody that loved the playoffs was Hall of Famer and Raiders icon Charles Woodson, who built his legend on the gridiron. Now he's taken that same dedication to his new craft spirit line, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. It's finished in the same wine barrels that Charles makes his wine, which gives it a spicy caramel finish. If it wasn't your game day whiskey already, it is now Whitson Bourbon Whiskey. Back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Seven seconds to go. Eichel wins the draw. Hard corner. Petrangelo lifts it to center. Trickling back to the Carolina line. The horn will sound. The Knights win it. Eichel with two. Smith the game winner. Vegas three. Carolina two. How about those Golden Knights riding the lightning right now? 
Best record in the Western Conference, 78 points. Obviously, if they're the best record in the Western Conference, they're leading the division closely. Uh, they got the L.A. Kings two points behind them, and they still got a matchup against them, I think, next month in April. So shout-out to the Golden Knights, that 3-2 to two win against Carolina last night at T-Mobile Arena. Let's see how things end up shaping up for the Vegas-born Golden Knights, which, hey, they keep playing at a jam-packed, T-Mobile Arena. Shout out to Jen Stellan, the Raiderette that's also an in-game host, uh, in arena host for the Silver Knights, for the G League Ignite, for the Silver Hawks with the Foley Entertainment Group. Last night, she was also an in-game host for the Golden Knights. They're celebrating, we are all are celebrating uh, Women's History Month, so... Shout out to her. She got her first uh, couple of reps out there with the Golden Knights, and it's always important. She always also does some cool social media work with the um, Raiders. We recorded a segment that's going to air, I imagine, soon last week. So shout out to her also that she was out there with the Golden Knights. And T-Mobile Arena, we've had NBA games there before, preseason games. We need NBA here in Las Vegas, and it's going to eventually happen. I got a feeling once LeBron retires, like in seven years, uh, they might end up, he might end up as the owner of the the expansion franchise that comes out here. Or if somebody moves their franchise out to Las Vegas, he'll do it. I'm just kidding. I know LeBron ain't going to play seven more years, but eventually he'll retire someday. It doesn't seem like anytime soon, but the Lakers... What about that? They got that dub last night despite not having LeBron last night or for the next three weeks. Beasley, this is his shot. Got it! Yes, sir! Timeout, OKC. Yeah, they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Lakers, at the moment, they are clinging on to one of those play-in spots. Or sorry, they're close to getting to one of those playoff spots. They're at 11th place after last night's win against OKC, the lowly OKC Thunder that are in 13th. Let's see if Anthony Davis, if all these additions that they had before the trade deadline are enough to get the Lakers at least into the play-in spot and then encourage LeBron James to be like, you know what, let's get back in there. Let's get back on the court. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen? No. Yeah, yeah, it's not nothing against the Lakers, mind you. I don't like the Lakers, but you've also got about five or six teams ahead of you trying to get in to, you know, to the sixth seed. You, I don't see it happening. No, but that's the beauty of the play-in. You can get up to the 10th spot and play for an opportunity to get yeah. into the playoffs. You, so. you, you play two games on the road for the honor of playing the number one seed. Nay. A playoff berth is better than not being in the playoffs, right? I don't know. It depends upon what you're planning to do with the lottery. Let's see with that. So LeBron James, the first 15 seasons of his career, he missed 71 games. The last five seasons, including this one because he's currently out with a foot injury, last night he missed his 100th game in the last five seasons. What about street clothes? <laughs> Did Davis play? Yeah. He did? Okay. Yeah, he did play. <laughs> Street clothes. Come on, Bobby. No, right now he is the Lakers. Yeah, I know. That's a problem, guys. Yeah, so that's the that's one guy that you got to have. Or no, give me a sec. He didn't play last night. 
There you go, street clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, last night the Raiders were led by Dennis Schroeder with 26 points. He got pissed off with Davis in the previous game because of a bad pass, and Schroeder didn't have a good defense on the way back. He got benched. But, hey, now no Davis, no LeBron. They were able to beat OKC. Dude, you, you, me, JT, and the next guy walking down the hall could beat OKC. Come on. Next is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's see how it goes tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Last time I was here hosting the show was pretty much a couple of days after Kevin Durant got traded to the Phoenix Suns. And KD finally played for the Phoenix Suns last night. Chris Paul gets the board. There's the first rejection from KD. And now he gets it open on the left side for three. And that is all net for Kevin Durant. Devin Booker set him up and KD knocked it down. 23 points in 27 minutes plus six rebounds and two assists. But he's not the star of the Suns right now. They got a player that he's a homegrown guy with them and he's balling. Paul the steal, three on one. It's off to a Kogi, dumps it to Booker for the jam time. Devin Booker puts it down with both hands. It was a great fast break from Chris Paul to Josh Kogi and Book on the finish. There you go. It's a very complete team right now. The the Suns that started the game with KD, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul all as part of the starting lineup, and that's their hope, to be able to keep those guys healthy. DeAndre Aiden had a big game, too, 16 points, 16 rebounds. Devin Booker, of course, led them with 37 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds. Chris Paul is Chris Paul. He had 11 assists, but only 2 points and 2 rebounds in this game. That's an awful lot of hope you're putting on those guys. Yep, and that's... You you really think that KD's going to stay healthy all the way through the playoffs? I think And Booker and CP3. I think they might, and let's see what kind of noise they can make because at the moment— You know, I got this really cool bridge in New York if you want to buy it. I'll sell it to you real cheap. <laughs> they're in fourth place, 34 wins. They still need to leapfrog Sacramento and Memphis to get into one of those top two spots. So, plus, I can't finish the show without the Boston Celtics. You bet your ass you can't. I can't finish them because they're fighting for that top seed over in the East. If we're talking basketball, we're talking about— my legendary, beloved Boston Celtics. The kind of player you want to be your superstar. Impossible to root against. Tatum has a lane open up for him. Blows down the left side. Cavs late to get there. Garland gives a foul. He shouldn't have. And Tatum will go to the line with a chance for three out of technical. Another 40-point game for Jason Tatum. 41 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. He definitely has that Mamba mentality. They beat Cleveland 117-113. Cleveland, that's a team you might keep your eye on because they're, they've been fighting against good squads and they're the four seed at the moment. You know, if the Celtics had a 20-point lead going into the fourth quarter, they almost jacked the whole damn game up. Hey, but that that's the thing. Cleveland, keep your eye on them. But despite the win, Celtics still number two. Milwaukee won, so they have a half-game lead over the Boston Celtics. As a Laker fan, I'm okay with that. But it's definitely going to be interesting in the East. Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland. Let's go. It's interesting right now with hoops. And it's interesting also with football. The scouting combine is going on right now at Lucas Oil Stadium at Indianapolis, Indiana. And somebody that's out there is Q. And also Vinny Bonsignor. And you'll hear them here next on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I'll be back here tomorrow to close off the week on the JT The Brick Show. Raider Nation, thanks for tuning in, and let's have fun this weekend.